This episode is brought to you by BTR Nation. BTR is a female founded brand that is on a mission to end mindless snacking with their protein bars with a purpose. Snacks get a bad reputation, high in sugar, ingredients you can't pronounce, ultra processed. But what if you had a snack that checked all the right boxes, a snack with a purpose? Because when we snack mindfully, when we honor our bodies, our hunger, our snackiness, we transform our mindset. BTR bars and chocolate truffle cups are made with no gluten, no dairy, no soy, no added sugar, no corn or rice syrups, no GMOs, no natural flavors, no sugar alcohols, no stevia, no inflammatory ingredients, and no gums or fillers, the cleanest label in the category. They only use ingredients that you can pronounce and adaptogenic superfoods like reishi, lion's mane, and cordyceps. They also taste delicious. I always have the peanut butter chocolate chip bliss bars in my cabinet, and Erica doesn't go a day without having the dark chocolate truffle cups. Besides the many delicious snacks to choose from, we love the story of BTR. Founder and owner Ashley Marie found inspiration in an unlikely place at an unlikely time, at the hospital cafeteria. When both of her parents were diagnosed with cancer, her life turned upside down as she became their caretaker, and her own nutrition began to suffer. Ashley was devouring protein bars when she could, as many of us do, to fit in a meal or a snack. Most of the bars she quickly discovered were filled with sugar. After her parents passed away, she founded a bar brand based on their family mantra, be bold, tenacious, and resilient. If you want to try BTR bars and truffle cups, you can save 20% on your order with code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS all one word at btrnation.com. You can also find this link in our show notes and link tree on Instagram. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Ali experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Courageous Wellness. We have a really great conversation with Jenny Schatzel today, all about body image. And um, it's a really good conversation. And so for our weekly updates this week, Ali and I were actually going to kind of talk a little bit about the episode and reflect on it because I realized um, when I was going through my notes, how many notes I took 
on this episode with Jenny. Mm -hmm. So for anyone listening, um, I can't wait to listen again. It's really stayed with me since we recorded, but I feel like this is like one that you might want to have like your notes app out for or grab a pen because Jenny's a really great resource. Um, she's also an author of the book, Breaking the Cycle, but she really works to help women love their bodies and change the conversation on body image and health. And, um, you know, a couple things I really took away from this episode, I, a quote that she said that really stuck with me was, um, a healthy body is not, is one that you're not at war with. Mm. right? Like that's a true healthy body. It's one that you're not at war with. And, um, she also talked about how kind of like there is, you know, I think historically women, we've spend so much time kind of focusing on the way our bodies look. I think especially previous generations a lot, I think our generation, I think the millennials have really worked, are working to change it. Um, you know, consciously and, um, Gen X as well. But, um, you know, she, she kind of touches on in the episode, how like there is no there, you know, and I think a lot of women have, um, maybe a photo of themselves where they look back and they're like, wow, I was so, my body looked so great. But if you remember that time, you might not have liked your body or had issues with your body. And it was so interesting because um, just reflecting for myself, you know, I, I've shared on the podcast, I have a self-love journey that led to a substantial weight loss experience. And since then, you know, gosh, almost 10 years ago now it is, it's 10 years ago now, since I had that experience, you know, my body is not the same body as it was when I was 25, you know, I'm 35 Mm -hmm. now. And so, you know, I've gained weight, I've lost weight, I've gained right, like my body changes and my body looks different. And it's so funny because I see photos of myself at my smallest and I did not feel small. And now I'm, you know, much bigger than I was at my smallest. And, but it helps me at least because then I'm like, I don't want to spend time not loving my body. And if I couldn't see myself then, I probably don't see myself now, Mm -hmm. you know? And so these are just like reflections that I've been having with myself. We also did a press interview with, um, Nicole Hagen on her podcast where we talked all about body dysmorphia. And we'll link that also in the show notes for anybody who wants to listen to it. But, you know, we work with people on body dysmorphia and, you know, I think it's something that, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think these are like lifelong things. I think as women that we might have to continue to dismantle in ourselves too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because one of the things that stuck with me about the episode with Jenny was actually, you guys might not think this is related, but in fact, like it sort of is related. And she, she does a lot of work with moms demand action. And we had the conversation too about gun safety because, you know, it's, it is a health issue. It's a epidemic in this country. It's the leading cause, um, of death for children and teenagers. Like I think it's surpassed um, like automobile accidents uh, not too long ago. And so, you know, we're talking about body stuff, body stuff, but like how we also protect our bodies and protect the bodies of our young, our youth. And um, 
I'll let you guys listen to the episode, but what I love about some of Jenny's work too is that she's like really normalizing the conversation um, around guns uh, from home to home, like even in the context of play dates and in the context of like, hey, do you own a weapon? If you do, is it secured? Let's just be honest about this because then people can make conscious choices for themselves as far as what they feel um what they feel comfortable with and what they feel like is the best and most safe choice for their child and and to be around. So she really goes into detail about that. And I think I'm so glad we talked about it because we haven't talked about it yet on the show. And I think it's, um, it's, you know, if we're talking about wellness and we're talking about courageous wellness, like, wow, what an important conversation to be having. So she gives us some skills around that. If you, if anybody's interested and feels nervous or uncomfortable bringing that up, like how to, how to normalize those conversations, um, which I'm sure nobody will ever regret having, you know what I <laughs> no. mean? As no, far yeah. as a safety, as a safe, from a safety perspective of our own young ones and loved ones. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's a good show. We don't want to give it all away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's it's one of I like I said I can't wait to re-listen. I gained yeah. so much from the conversation and so yeah, let's get into it so that you can just listen and take away for yourself. Yes. So today on the podcast, we have a conversation with Jenny Schatzel. Jenny is a speaker and coach who was in the fitness industry for 20 years and then also transitioned into motivational speaking around 10 years ago. She's given hundreds of talks to thousands of people all over the world, sharing the mindset that saved her and influencing women everywhere to show up and become their very best selves. Today, she teaches women how to love their bodies, and um, she's working on changing the conversation on body image and health. She's also the author of the book, Breaking the Cycle. We have a wonderful conversation and dialogue today on body image, her journey in fitness and how it's evolved, how we can all work to heal our relationships with ourselves and our bodies and her work with Moms Demand Action. Jenny is truly a wonderful resource online and we really enjoyed this episode. So we know you're going to too. Enjoy. Let us know what you think and get in touch um, on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, then you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for close to a year now and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am devoted to taking seed every single morning before food, and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic is vegan and gluten-free and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains, not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. And in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet. Pretty important, right? 
Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community as well. If you would like to order seed daily symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use the code courageous 15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes. Okay. So thank you so much, Jenny, for joining us today. We were just talking offline. So we are very excited, as you know, to have this conversation. Um, And to get us started, can you share with us your personal background and wellness journey? How did you get to where you are today? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, Yeah. So my background is I've been in the fitness industry for over 25 years. Um, I've owned a gym in Santa Barbara called Bond Fitness for 10 years. We just celebrated 10 years. And truly, my um, my background is I did a lot of what everyone did in the fitness world, which was um, weigh people in and out. My program was based on a six-week program. So I'd weigh you in and weigh you out at the beginning and end of every six weeks. We'd take before and after pictures. We'd do measurements. I would give you really restrictive diets. And what I realized was, yeah, people were losing weight. But to be honest, it wasn't sustainable. And also what I found is, you know, these women would come to me and say, Jenny, if I just lost this last 10 pounds, then I'd be happy. Well, then they'd lose the 10 pounds and they still wouldn't be happy. And I was really wrapped up in it also. I mean, I came from a very athletic background. I was I was an athlete, but I was also a dancer. And that went into the fitness industry. And I didn't know at the time, because when I was growing up, eating disorders, it was like you were bulimic or you were anorexic. There was no disordered eating. And my whole family, what we did as a family, to be honest, is we would diet and binge together. So every Monday we were always doing the next fad diet and we do it together. And it was a way we bonded and we kept each other accountable. And then every Sunday, all the ladies in my house would get together and we'd watch TV all day and we'd call it our cheat day and we would eat literally as much as we can and all the foods that we weren't allowed to eat. And it was this really toxic cycle that I just thought was normal. And I was always really in awe of people that could just like eat ice cream and walk away. And I'm like, what? Like you have to eat all like I was all it was always an all or nothing mentality. And um so I just that was normal life to me. And then it became my career. And I had a really big turning point when somebody very close to me, a young, she was 16, um, my niece, and she has given me permission to say this, this was many years ago. Um, it came out that she had an eating disorder and we were very close. And this was before I had children and it was a wake up call for me. And I was like, oh, the relationships that the women have in our family, it's actually really toxic. It's very much about body. It's very much about food. And then this is also my life and my career. And so I, to be honest, immersed myself in like two years of nutrition therapy and realized, you know, I very much was disordered eating, if not an eating disorder. And I changed my whole life. I changed my business. I changed the way that um, I like to say I'm still healing my relationship with food and body, but it has been some of the hardest work I've ever done. And I'm going to be honest, it's a whole, and I heard you guys swear, I'm really working on my swearing, but (laughs) 
it's a whole hell of a lot easier to sell weight loss than it is to sell loving your body. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for, thank you for a pinpointing that, but also for sharing so openly about your own sort of family dynamic, because I think, you know, it's so interesting when you get more and more sort of distanced from what was so normalized as a part of like family cycles, but also cultural cycles. I mean, it's, it's, it was generations, especially of women, um, where there's, there was no sense of like, this maybe this maybe isn't a healthy thing for us, you know? And um, it was just so, so normalized in our culture as well. And I've even recently seen some video clips from even, I'm going to say like 10, 15 years ago, kind of those early 2000s um, and, or early to mid, I guess we're, we're in the 20s now, but like not that long ago, like just over a decade ago, and some of the content that was on television even at that time, and it was, I'm appalled by it. I'm appalled by like how um, fat phobic it is, how um, normalized like dieting and the diet cycle just was as as a part of just like our content that we absorbed all the time. Um, I even saw an old yogurt commercial that was this woman just like staring at a cheesecake the whole time and that struggle. And it's like, in a way it gives me hope because now we're having these conversations and a much more like public normalized sort of in, in these forums now, but it, I don't even think there, I wasn't even aware of it. Like you said, so sharing so openly your own journey, I think is really helpful. I'm sure for other people who are in it and on it and continue to be on that journey to hear. And also um, the fact that you did something, I think this is really, I I don't know. I just admire the integrity in it because as you just said, and, and Erica and I have found this too in the nutrition space, it's a lot easier to sell weight loss still than it is to sell loving your body or even just loving food. Like we're very food positive of what food can do for us and how it can support us as human beings and how to create joy and health and um, pleasure and, you know, and gut health and hormone balance and all of those things that really support ourselves in a relationship with, with food and what, and how wonderful it can be, but it is still very hard to sell. And so the fact that you took action around that, I think is pretty admirable and also courageous because from an economic perspective or a business model perspective, it's not the easiest thing to do. And so I'm curious, like when you started to change your business too, what, what did you notice and how did you start bridging that gap or helping like communicate these ideas to your community and your fitness community that had for so long sort of been on the same wheel we all had been on. Yeah. And you know, it's just kind of going back to, to what you said is it's so ingrained in us. We don't even realize we're doing it. You know, there is, um, there's like, it's just watch things. Like I watched, I just watched, um, the Mindy show, the Mindy, Mindy project. That's like back on Netflix. It's so funny. It's so hysterical. And it's like, Oh, <gasps> the way she talks about her body, the way, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, think about like sex in the city when Samantha came and she had like a little pooch and they're like, Oh, she's getting so much weight or how we attack Jessica Simpson. I mean, just like when you start to look back and you're like, Oh, 
this is why I, I, I hate my body. I had, there's so much messaging and what it really comes down to is for women, we have so much shame around food and body. And that is really what I'm trying to do is take the shame away from food and body. Like we have been taught by you, not, not only our own parents. And I always say our parents did the best they could with what they knew. And, but just the messaging that we received that you are not good enough unless you are this size, you know, you you weigh this much. And it's like, those people don't even weigh that much and look that way. And, you know, it's, and we know that, and yet we're still doing it. So what I always tell people is the first thing we think is what is ingrained in us. And then the way that we act after that, or the next thing we think is who we want to be. So if you find yourself like judging someone for being overweight or what they're wearing, when you can stop yourself and be like, why do I care? Or I don't know that person. Why is that any of my business? You get to literally change the conversation. And that's really what I'm trying to do is stop women in their tracks and literally have them change the conversation. It's like women sitting around and we have more important things to talk about than what we ate last night or the fact that our bellies are too big. It's like we have really important work to do here in this world. And yet we will sit around and we will come together by talking negative and try to like one up each other. Oh, your thighs are big. Have you seen my belly? And we like one up each other in talking negative about who we are or even take it a step further, talking about other people and their bodies. And when it really comes down to it, I'm a mother of six-year-old twins. And I have realized that children do not do what we say. They do what we do. And every time they hear us speak about ourselves, every time they hear us speak about other people, they are listening and they're catching everything. And, you know, to say, I always tell people we're judgmental people. Like there's no way you're not going to be judgmental, but it's when you can catch yourself and literally change the conversation. That's how you start breaking the cycle. And even in my business, yeah, it, it was like, like integrity is a big word for me. And it's who do I want to be in this world? I want to help women show up as their authentic selves And I can't do that if I'm just telling them. So a big part of my my career is also motivational speaking. And even the gym, you know, I've done a couple of TED Talks, but even in the gym, what made us different was after workouts, I'd give these big motivational speeches. And I would literally give these beautiful speeches about loving your body and the scale doesn't define you. And then I would say, okay, step into my office so I can weigh you in. And so it completely dismisses what we do. And I think a lot of times what we say and what we do are two totally different things. And so for me, it was in order to be a leader, you must be the example. And I can't keep giving motivational speeches about loving your body and still weighing people in. No. And so these, I mean, yeah, these are great. Yeah. It's, it's really important work that you're doing and gosh, I wish your gym was everywhere so that we could all <laughs> go to it. But you know, as you mentioned, this really is lifelong work. And I'm also really surprised, you know, I was recently at a conference and, um, lunch and I was with a bunch of women and lunchtime came around and the conversation immediately went to like points and diets and what can we eat and what can And I was actually completely surprised because I don't talk like that. Right. And the, the people that the, 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 
the people I surround myself with or try to surround myself with and the work that I do, I, I, I just was really surprised that that is still what lunchtime at a conference full of women was about. And, um, I felt so sad, like really sad that we were sitting here talking about points and diets and what we could eat and couldn't eat or what. And it was just, it really blew my mind. And I think for me, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 35 when this episode comes out. So I'm, I'm turning 35 and really making peace too, even in this space with my body at 35 looks different than it did at 30, than it did at 25, even when my own fitness journey began and learning that bodies actually aren't supposed to stay the same size your entire life and really learning how to unpack that in myself. But even being in this space, it can be really hard. And, you know, a question that does come up a lot that I'm curious about your opinion on, especially being so integrated in the space is what about individuals who are working on loving their body and accepting their bodies, but also might want to lose weight? How do those yeah. things work together? How do you, cause that comes up quite frequently, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's a, the question it gets to be, I always tell people, okay, this is, this is, we, we're probably going to go a million different directions here. But so I always tell people, we've spent our whole lives listening to everybody else on how we should eat and what we should do to work out. We have to find out what feels good for us. So starting with movement. And I think too, like we have to ask ourselves. So for me, same thing as you, I'm 43 years old, my body looks completely different. I've had twins. My body is just moving in all sorts of ways. All the things that you think are never going to happen to you are happening. Like my knees hurt, my hips hurt, this hurts. And, you know, it is this question of, I feel the best I've ever felt in my life and I'm at a heavier weight. So the question to me is if I want to lose weight, Am I having those conversations of, is this ingrained because I think I should be smaller? Right? So it's this question of, well, do you, how do you feel in your body? And I don't think, I think anybody, this is also where you know it's like, I am very anti-diet, but not to the point of like, I don't want to be anti-anybody. I want to support everybody in what they're doing, but I want to make it for the right reasons. So if you want to lose weight, absolutely. But change the conversation in, in from what you need to take away from yourself or what you need to punish yourself into how can I feel better? Right? So here it is. Drink more water, add more vegetables, find movement that you like. So everybody's saying high intensity or Pilates or running or this or that. Well, if your body hurts when you run walk, right? If you, if Pilates is boring, do hit. If you like to swim because you have a shoulder issue and it's making you feel better, swim. Like we have to stop listening to everybody else tell us how we should be living our lives. And we need to start doing things that we actually want to wake up and love and do. And also so much of losing weight is taking away from ourselves when that's actually not taking care of ourselves. If I, I can't have pizza, all I'm going to think about is pizza. And then when I do eat pizza, I'm going to binge on pizza. And that's the reality of it. So the weight loss conversation needs to change. So it's in asking ourselves, like when we eat something, here's the other thing, getting to the root issue, like why do we binge? Why do we overeat? Right? So if you are somebody who is overweight, or let's say you have an overweight family member, and you're like, well, they just need to eat better and work out. It's like an overweight person knows that 
They know, they know it's, they've been told that their whole life. They know nobody's getting to the root issue of what's really going on. Why are you depressed? Why are you numbing out? We use food to numb out. Oh, because you're not feeling seen and heard. You're miserable in your marriage. You're overstimulated. You're overstuffed. You're overstressed. So instead of addressing any of those issues, we immediately go to let's go on a diet and let's do this really intense workout that might not make me feel good. So I think the conversation really needs to start with like, if you are somebody who you find you binge on food, what is, why are we numbing out? So I'm 10 years sober and I connect food and alcohol a lot. Like I can't give up food because you need it to live. Right. But I'm an alcoholic. And for a long time, I used alcohol to numb out because I was insecure. I was really concerned with what everybody thought of me. I was constantly obsessed with the way that I looked and how people thought. And it actually made me depressed and I drank about it. And so for me, drinking is what I used to numb out. When I got sober and I took the alcohol away, then it was food. So my wake up call was like, oh, I'm actually using this to numb out. And this isn't a positive thing for me. So one thing for me is like my numb out is to sit in front of the TV and eat a ton of food. Like that is like, that's my dream date right there, right? Like, let's just get everything. We're just like, but it's a full binge. And then the next day I had so much guilt and shame around it. And then I'm trying to undo it. And it was just a really toxic cycle. So for me, it's like, okay, so instead of binging, how am I going to choose to do things differently? Well, let's start setting up different things. I'm going to journal. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to talk to my husband. We have to actually get to the root of the issue because I'm going to be honest. It's actually never about the food. Right. Yeah, it's, I mean. That was a long response to that question. (laughs) No, no, it was a good, it was a good response to the question because I think, I mean, there's so many people we can all on some level relate to it, whether it, and it shows up differently for different people, whether it's alcohol or food or, uh, you know, whatever, even shopping or like, there's so many things that people can use. It's always not, it's not always the thing. It's about what that thing is serving a purpose for. And um, I think the conversation about getting to the root is important and it's hard. It's the hardest work there is. And so even you listing like when you now, if you have that impulse to, you know, I don't know now, would you say like you've are practiced enough that you, you kind of automatically go to the journaling or the walk or the sort of alternate thing if you have the impulse or um, is it something that you're still conscious of like making that decision? Like, and do you think this is a like a lifelong like a lifelong thing that you will continue to practice? Yeah, I think it's a lifelong thing, but it's it's you have just like getting sober. You have to want to change, right? And so for me, it was like getting sober and then it was food and it was like me laying in bed at night eating chips didn't feel good. It didn't it it didn't feel good the next day. It didn't it it was no longer serving me. And so being like, okay, how can I just change this in the moment. So now to be honest, I, I'm very, I feel like everybody at some point, you know, has some form of ADD or ADHD. I'm, I'm very like all over the place, but I, so I like to do things. I'm about small changes because those are effective for me. I can't, if I try to change everything at once, it's all or nothing. And the pendulum just swings too far to each side. So at night now, if I feel like I'm going to binge or I'm feeling stressed, I will sit, I will either lay in bed or I'll sit at the kitchen table and I set a timer for five minutes and I journal. And that five minutes will honestly change the next hour. Mm. 
And it's just making one small incremental change like that. In the afternoon, if I'm feeling like I'm really crushing, I'm going to be honest, I take a 20 minute nap and I don't have shame or guilt around that. Or maybe I go for a 30 minute walk. Like I journaling for five minutes has been a huge game changer. And this is, the, I feel like this is a lifelong thing and you are, nobody's, you know, one night of journaling is not going to stop you for the rest for the, it's, it's going to come and go. But the key also, and I'll say this is the biggest one, especially if we're talking about binge eating is waking up the next day. And instead of having guilt and shame, you ask, you get curious. That is the biggest cycle breaker right there. So if you, if you are somebody who feels like you overeat, instead of the next day saying, I'm, you know, I'm just going to juice, or I'm not going to eat that much, or I'm going to go to the gym for two hours, you wake up and you say, what was that all about? I can now ask myself and I'm like, oh, my husband's a firefighter. I'm like, oh, my husband's been gone for two weeks. I'm so exhausted. I feel like I don't have any help. I feel depleted in every which way. And I was numbing out. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what it, that was all about. And then I literally move on with my day. Mm, yeah. 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 And to me, that has been the biggest thing. And I, I do feel like that is a, is a tool in weight loss or wanting to change your body. Like I'm still here for people wanting to change their body, but wanting to do it for the right reasons. And I think so often, if we were being really honest with ourselves, a lot of us are trying to change our bodies, not for the right reasons because of the ingrained messaging. And that's where that question gets a little dicey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why there's so much like emotion behind it, or even talking about weight loss now in some, it can be really difficult because we have learned so much and healthy does come at every size. And as you mentioned, people historically have been so judgmental about their own bodies and other people's bodies. And it's all just so it's a lot. And I think what you just talked about is really um, important. And I'm, I'm not a binge eater, but I am an emotional eater. So um, when I'm feeling emotional or whatever, you know, I will eat past maybe the point of hunger to a certain point. And for me, like the shame aspect around that, about what it was doing to my body or why am I doing this? Why can't I, when I was able to remove the shame and like, I remember I had a moment where I was like standing there with like a jar of almond butter. And I was like, why am I doing this? (laughs) Right? Like, why am I doing this? And is this the way I'm choosing to self-soothe right now? And do I want to do that? Right. It was like the craziest experience because then, and I have chosen, I was like, I'm going to have a couple more scoops of this almond butter. And even though I'm not hungry and I'm making that choice. And when I took my power back, it changed the way I was emotionally eating and it's not perfect, but for me, like the shame and the awareness made such a difference than like waking up with a food hangover a couple hours later being like, why did I just eat this whole bag of chips? We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Odyssey Mushroom Elixir. This month is National Mushroom Month, and we are celebrating the incredible power of functional mushrooms with Odyssey Sparkling Mushroom Elixir. Odyssey contains 2,750 milligrams of lion's mane and cordyceps mushrooms that have been shown to increase brain function, mood, memory, and boost energy. 
With Odyssey Mushroom Elixir, there's no need to settle for a drink that's full of chemicals and empty calories. The flavors are delicious. There are caffeinated and uncaffeinated options, and I love to use it as a mocktail at parties, as an afternoon pick-me-up, and while I love all of the flavors, my favorite is the sparkling dragon fruit lemonade. If you want to try Odyssey Mushroom Elixir, you can take 20% off your purchase today with code CWPODCAST at odysseyelixir.com. And all of that information can be found in our show notes or link tree on Instagram. We've talked a lot about, I think, like taking away shame and you mentioned as well, I love your work so much because it's so, it's so practical, as you mentioned, and Ali and I are so aligned with this, right? Where it's about small changes or what can you add instead of what can you take away? And I love to, you're so empowering on your social media page about even the conversation. I remember you had a great post too, about diet Coke that I really loved, um, talking about alcohol, right? Like how alcohol is actually a neurotoxin that people drink and enjoy and consume and no shame or judgment, right? If that's someone's journey, but the amount of shame people get when they drink a can of Diet Coke or see Diet Coke in your fridge, I just thought that was a really great post. And so I was just wondering if you had any other, you know, tips or advice for our audience who, you know, are doing this work. And as you mentioned, this is lifelong work that you have unpacked in yourself and are helping others unpack, but you mentioned, right. The first step is this awareness and changing the conversation. What are some other tips that you have? If someone's really in pain going through this work right now? Yeah. And it, I'm, it, if you're in pain going through this work, first of all, I hope that you reach out to me and follow me. I'm on Instagram, just Jenny Schatzel. And I answer all my DMS um, because it is lifelong work. And somebody even who does this work. I still have bad body image days. I still, it's like you saying, you know, I sat there with the almond butter and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make this choice. It is just having total awareness. And also, you know, again, I say this a lot. We've, I believe a healthy body is one that you aren't at war with. And we are just, I feel like we've been told who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to look like for so long that we're just at war with ourselves because it's never good enough. It's never. And we spend more time stressing about the way that we look and what other people think and stressing about being healthy, that it's made us unhealthy. Like the whole instant with the diet Coke. I mean, people in my own family, they go they're you know, Oh, well, I'm just trying to be healthy. And I'm like, my, you know, I'm just trying to be healthy and I just want to eat as healthy as I can. I'm like, that's great. But basically you're shaming any kind of, we believe all foods fit. Okay. So in my family, my kids, all foods fit. That means we have everything from salad to vegetables, to fruit, to Doritos, to Cheez-Its, to ice cream, like all foods fit. I have a candy bin that is right at their level. They can take out and they can eat. We, there's no restriction in our house. There's, but there's also, and I've had people in my own family say, well, you can't just tell people they can eat whatever they want. And I'm like, eating whatever you want also is not listening to your body. Right. And so there's a there's a big section of people that in the name of health are saying like, oh, this has toxins or this is bad for you. And then drinking alcohol or and that's socially acceptable. And then not even let's say you don't drink alcohol, but you're so stressed about what you're eating. The worst thing we can do to our bodies is put stress on our bodies. So it's like I talk also a lot about, you know, 
a nutritionist wants to, uh, reg excuse me, a registered dietitian once told me, people who have medical food issues actually don't really talk about it. Like if you're born lactose intolerant, you don't walk into a party and are like, I'm lactose intolerant. I please don't be serving ice cream here, right? Like a celiac, somebody who is really celiac doesn't walk around to everyone they know, oh, I'm gluten-free, I'm gluten-free. Do you know any gluten? Is this restaurant gluten-free? Like we talk so much about food when we don't need to. Like if you don't want to eat something, don't eat it. Yeah. And just, just don't eat it. Like the more we talk about it, the more it brings up, like you said, so much emotion. So if it was just mute, like, great. You don't want pizza tonight. Awesome. But it is this thing also. And I find this with alcohol. It's like, when you don't want to drink, people be like, why don't you want to drink? You don't want to drink because they feel a certain way because they're drinking and you're not. Or let's say you do choose, like there is times I'm going to choose a salad over pizza because that's what my body wants tonight. People are like, come on, eat the pizza. And you're like, why is this an issue for people? Right. Yeah. Whether you're pizza or eat a salad, it doesn't always have to be, I'm eating healthy or unhealthy. I'm just eating. And like, if, if we work on getting to that point, it's actually a really beautiful freeing thing. Just like you said, you take your power back. And even on the days I tell everybody, like if you're having a bad body image day, the number one thing you need to do is show up because when we have bad body image days, we don't want to leave the house. We feel fat. We, I literally the other day I was, I had a bad body image days and I talk a lot about putting on the shorts because for so long I didn't wear shorts. So my whole story is I have huge thighs. I have big shoulders. And I literally, I was having this conversation with myself and I'm like, F it, I'm putting on shorts. I'm going to the gym. I had to like talk my, I had this whole inner dialogue going on. And I walked into the bedroom and my husband was like, I did not, I was not saying this out loud. I was saying this to myself. And then randomly I walk into the bedroom. My husband's like, oh yeah, I love those shorts. You look great. And I'm like, okay, on with my day. Like it's, it, you know, it's very funny how that all, but my number one thing is too, is when you're having a bad body image day, you have to show up. Yeah. No matter that's, what. I think that's great advice. And, you know, even we, Erica and I joke sometimes like on different days of our cycle, like I can go from, like, I can go from one day to being like, oh, I can't do anything to like, like I can't go anywhere or whatever. I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, and then like two days later, I'll be like, wow, look at me. Like It's just like literally nothing has changed except what's going on in my mind. Um, so yes. I think that's a good thing to like also, like, as you say, bring awareness to um, and, and yeah, that constantly our bodies are changing. Women yeah. like, should have been told when we were young that your body's going to change because I, and I, and I keep saying this, I say this a lot. But this is another thing, like we all have that picture that we can look at. I should say most of us, I don't want to generalize. Most of us have a picture we can look at where we were the perfect body or, you know, you're like, oh my God, it was so thin and I didn't even recognize it. Well, that's proof right there that it's not about the body. It's about the mind mm -hmm. because we've been at this like so-called perfect body and we didn't even appreciate it then. So yeah. I constantly up of that also because I'm 43. I don't want to be 53 and 63 and 73 and still hating my body. And at 53, I don't want to look back and say, I wish I would have appreciated that 43 year old body. I'm going to appreciate it. Even if it's difficult, even if it's hard, I'm going to, I'm going to appreciate it. And I'm going to break the cycle for myself so I can break it for my children and also the other women around me. When the conversation does start around food, I'm like, yo, ladies, we got more important things to talk about. Like, how is your marriage? How yeah. are you feeling because yeah. it's easier to talk about food and not liking our bodies than it is to talk about what's really going on in our lives. And when you can remind women of that, 
it really does change the whole dynamic. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I think it's a good thing. Like the more of us that can like do that, I mean, it's hard. It's amazing. I recently spent some time with family and I was like shocked at again, how much the conversation as Erica was saying, like with her experience, it's just like went to that and it's generations of women who do it. And, um, and, and, it's funny we are giving the example of like how other people often are triggered by like some sometimes if you just have like a an intolerance or like a medical reason to not to not eat. I I had a terrible dairy allergy like present itself when I was in my early 20s. I've been, you know, off of it for 15 years and I still sometimes am around family and like ice people want to get ice cream and they're like are you going to be okay? Does this bother you? And I'm like no, it doesn't bother me. Am I saying that it bothers me? You know, like, but it's true, just like alcohol or whatever. It's it's when you stop that, oftentimes it. I think it's a jolt for people to. Ex- it's really examining their own relationship with with food or whatever whatever it might be. Um, one and thing, like, why does why you know if somebody's choosing to eat a burger or salad, why do we have any judgment either way? Right, no. that's all the awareness piece, like. Somebody's not better than you because they chose to eat a salad. Yes. And health is not a marker of morality. I think that's yes. a thing too, as you were saying, like, we, of course we all want to be healthy, but like I was like a healthy 29 year old and I got a cancer diagnosis. Like anything can happen at any time and we don't judge people for having certain medical issues. So it's like, why do we assume that health looks one way and that that's a marker of like, like better or worse or like there's no there shouldn't be any scale on the way you know and the people think about it the people that we love in our life I don't think about how they look I don't think about if they're I mean of course if they're struggling with some their health in the way that like I don't want anybody to suffer but there's no judgment around the fact that like if someone is battling a health condition I've been there multiple times and it's like but I wouldn't be looked at and be like oh well she must just not take care of herself. You know, like there's no stigma around that for someone who like seemingly looked healthy in her 20s, but was also dealing with um, cancer at the time. So it's like, it's this weird, strange thing where all of a sudden people become like, oh, I'm really concerned about your health. But like, are are you? It's like, yeah, that's not, you? you know, we can accept that people can be naturally thin, but we can't accept that people can be naturally bigger. Right. So we can, you know, we usually don't judge people who are natural unless they're extremely thin, but you know, it's, it's, it is very much. And, you know, to go full circle back to that first question about, you know, what do, what do you say about people who want to love their bodies and still want to lose weight? When people come to me now and say, I want to lose weight. The first thing I tell them the first, actually the first thing I ask, I don't go to food. I don't go to, you know, and I own a gym. I don't go to exercise. First thing I ask is how much sleep are you getting? Like the two things in taking care of our bodies that people don't talk about enough are sleep and stress. Like yeah. those are the biggest like, people like, well, like you say, like, I'm worried about my family member because they're overweight. And I'm like, great. Have you actually sat down and had a heart to heart about what's really going on in their life? Or did yeah. you just sit down and tell them they need to eat better? Because yeah. that's not going to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, these are all such great, important points. And and I'm somebody too, who has struggled with body dysmorphia um, because I also have like a weight loss, self-love experience myself and, you know, all of this stuff. And, 
I look at pictures now of myself from just like six years ago. And I'm like, why was I not naked all the time? Like, why wasn't I just running around? Like, you know, I can't, I didn't see myself. And so now it helps though, because now if I'm having a bad body image day, I try to remind myself, you probably don't see yourself, right? Like if you didn't see yourself, then you're probably not seeing yourself now. And so like, let's just stop the loop. Cause like you said, I don't want to hate. I don't want to, you know, I I just don't want to live like this anymore. And so, and as Ali, you mentioned, it's like, you're, you know, we all have those days where we wake up and I remember someone called it like an ugly day. Like you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, Oh, like I'm having an ugly day. And then a day later you feel hot as, you know, like the hottest thing ever. And your body literally could not have changed in 24 or 48 hours, but, but here we go. And so I think just even these reminders that I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, yeah, me too. Me too. I think it's just important to constantly have those supportive friends or influencers you follow or social media accounts because we need to remind ourselves and remember because there is so much, you know, there's so much cultural, especially in America, patriarchal noise about women and how women should behave and look and act that if we don't have the right support, it's like, of course, it can be really difficult. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you a little bit about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Allie and I are both certified integrative health coaches. Allie has advanced training in hormone health, and I have advanced training in gut health. And we now offer health coaching and corporate coaching through the Courageous Wellness Collective. We continued our education and received certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. IIN has taken the lead in the health coaching industry from its inception and provides a comprehensive curriculum that combines nutrition, coaching, and business. We love the program and have had many listeners ask us about continuing their education in nutrition, health coaching, or even just advancing their personal knowledge about food and nutrition. So we are very excited to be able to offer a discount to Courageous Wellness listeners to study at IIN. The program is completely accessible virtually with lectures led by health, wellness, or medical industry experts. To receive up to $2,500 off of your tuition, use one of our names, either Allie French or Erica Stein at the time of enrollment to receive the tuition discount. We have also included a link in the show notes that will take you directly to IIN to learn more about their wonderful programs. It kind of leads me into my next question because something Allie and I really love and admire that you do is you are very active and vocal on social media and in your community about gun violence and very involved in Moms Demand Action. And so we'd love for you to maybe talk about your work and how it does connect to the way we feel about our bodies. Yes. Uh, First of all, thank you for bringing that up. It is a big part of um, my work. And so I'm somebody, I'm 43 years old. I did not grow up with active shooter drills. It was never a thing. Um, and I also didn't grow up with social media. I'm, I didn't get a phone until I was in my twenties. And so our children are growing up completely different. And I do actually think these two topics are very related because with the body image work I do, people always say, I want you to come talk to my kids about body image. I'm like, I don't want to talk to your kids. I want to talk to you, the mom. I help moms because 
let's be honest, moms are running the household. Okay. I'm in a very progressive relationship. We are like, I mean, no, I don't think any partner's 50, 50, but my husband does all the things I do all the things. And still I'm running this household. And so, you know, moms are the one that are really setting the tone, especially for body image and our kids are watching us and they're listening to us. And the work that we do is truly for me, it's about getting women to show up as their authentic self and use their voice and stop apologizing for who they are and what they believe. Like we won't talk about the things that we believe in because we're too scared of what the neighbor thinks or our friend who might disagree. We don't want to rock the boat in our own family. So we don't say anything. And I think that needs to come to an end. The, the gun epidemic is an epidemic and you know, I'm all about, I feel very strongly about this, that I'm not personally a gun person. I didn't grow up with guns, but I have friends that are responsible gun owners and we have great conversations about it. And guess what? They're for common sense gun laws. Also, the times have changed. Yes, you can have a gun, but you need to store it properly. You need to 51% of gun owners do not store their guns. Guns are the number one killer of children. And there was a point in time where cars were the number one killer of children. And so we impl implemented safety laws. We then had like kids didn't used to have car seats and seatbelt laws and your car has to be registered and you, you have to have insurance. I don't understand why we don't we can't just do this for guns. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. And so uh, Moms Demand Action is a grassroots organization and we are fighting for stronger gun laws. And so it's, um, it's heartbreaking. I'm going to be honest. Um, I've lost track of how many mass shootings we've had this year. You know, um, I know this is going to come out in a, you know, in a couple months, but where we are right now, there's a, an epidemic going on in Tennessee and they've, they're literally kicking. It's, it's not a democracy anymore and people aren't being heard. And so I am actually making a call for all moms Republican or Democrat, gun owners or not gun owners to come together because we can't just keep blaming the other side. And, you know, a woman said to me, well, before we do gun laws, they need to fix crime. And I'm like, listen, lady, we can't just keep saying, well, before we do this, we have to do this. Before we do this, we have to do this. We have to take a, take a step forward and we have to do it together because our kids are dying. Somebody did a post that said there are some children that will not make it through this year. And no parent should be okay with that. Yeah. And I don't understand. And uh, mom's demand action is mother. We like to say mothers and others. One of my favorite little sayings there. So you don't have to be a mom. There are dads, there are grandparents, there are sisters, there are brothers. But I urge everyone, I don't know if you guys could put this in the notes. If you text 64433 and you just text join, you'll get um, aligned with your local chapter. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for giving giving us that information, but also we will include it in our show notes for sure. And, you know, as we mentioned before the show, we've never done an episode that has dealt with this. And it's not because we haven't wanted to, because I, I very much fundamentally think, as you said, it's the number one um, kind of killer. killer of children in this country. And if that's not like the biggest sort of health and public health crisis that we are currently facing, I mean, what is like, it's, it's, you know, we do all this 
preventative stuff for other things as we should, but it's like, why is this such a, why is this one so weighted and why is this issue so divided? Because it just seems like, as you said, and as we call common sense. Um, and I think as you, you also said, like, it's a call to unite around this. Like, let's all put on our common sense around this issue because it's inhumane. Otherwise it's inhumane. What our students and our, our communities are having to go through and not, I, you know, we mentioned like not dating the episode, but most of our listeners know we oftentimes record ahead of time and we're very, very late August at this point. And, um, I think I read a couple days ago that the number was well into the 400s. Like it was like the 457th mass shooting this year. And there's only 365 days a year. And we're not even like, we're like two thirds through the year. So everybody can do the math. And it's just, um, it's so sad. And, and the fact that the kids have to deal with, you know, we're talking about stress. We're talking about the impact of stress on the body and the impact of um, stress just in in on our nervous system and overall health and having to do active shooter drills and having this be like a real uh, crisis and a real threat more than anything else, more than getting in a car. Um, it, it's like, on top of the fact that like the actual threat is real, the psychological component and the stress component of it all too, we have to think about what the long-term impact um, is doing to both to parents and to children of, of now many of multiple generations at this point. So yeah. Um, yeah thank and you for bringing that to our attention. Yeah. And it's devastating that, you know, half the country is in favor of more guns on campus. Like let's, you know, I mean, I'm going to be honest, there's a, you know, there's a poll for teachers to have guns. Well, trained police officers don't even shoot correctly when they're under stress. And there's, there's a whole other factor to this. And so um, I, I am, you know, again, we are a, it is Democrats, Republicans, gun owners, not gun owners. I I'm really asking all parents to get involved and um, it is an epidemic and we need your help. And Jenny. Makes, oh, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say real quick. Could you, you also like talk a lot about having conversations with other parents in your community. And I think that's like, I'm, I admire how direct you are, but in a way that's like um, respectful, but direct to get the information and normalizing the conversation. And I would just love you to touch on that too. Yeah, thank you. So I am too. I'm also, I'm all about respect and I'm all like, I am a, <laughs> I'm a California liberal Democrat. Okay. I was going to put that out there. My friend who lives two doors down is literally a conservative Christian. Like we are polar opposites and we are great friends and we have some of the best conversations. I am here for it. We are, you know, and I'm, I'm here to have important conversations and I believe you can do it in a loving, kind, respectful way. One of the most important conversations, and I always say an activist doesn't need to be a person like with a microphone on a stage. You can be an activist. You are an activist in your own home. You are an activist in your own neighborhood. And people don't want to have conversations because they're uncomfortable, but an uncomfortable conversation could save your child's life. So kids are the, are, guns are the number one killer of kids and teens. And 51% of, um, that is because of safe storage. 51% of people who own guns do not safely store their guns. And so kids find them and they're curious and they shoot themselves. They shoot each other. 
So now a big, um, you know, we're on a big campaign to ask the question when your kids go to a play date or a sleepover, can you send a text and say, Hey, and I put it out very, I tell, I tell people, put it out very honestly, like, Hey, I know this is an uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation, but you know, you can say, I just heard a woman speak on this or I joined moms demand action. And I'm just wondering, you know, before our play date, is there any guns in the home? And if so, are they safely stored? Yeah. The question makes so much sense. Yeah. And I always ask parents again, it's this whole conversation of health, right? It's, stopping ourselves and being aware, like, how is this going to make me feel later? Right? How, you know, I ask, like, when you don't want to go move your body, like, well, how am I going to feel after hopefully that will get you there. Or if you're, you know, just constantly trying to be in awareness, like, how's this going to make me feel? Well, thinking about asking that question and getting very nervous and saying, Oh, this is going to be on so so uncomfortable. And this could be so awkward. And also, it's going to save your kid's life. Yeah. So we, I have had, I've had great response and I've had people say that, yes, I do own a gun. And I'm going to, I like to tell other people too, responsible gun owners do not get upset at this question yeah. because responsible gun owners actually really take pride in that they have a gun and they, and they are responsible with it. I've, I do have friends that have guns and they're like, yes, I do. Do you, would you like to come and see? I'd love to show you where I lock it up. And I'm like, awesome. Great. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody who gets offended that you have asked if there's a gun in their home and your child is going there, friends, that's a red flag. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for everything you've shared. And, you know, I'm somebody I've been terrorized. I'm not a child or a parent at this point in my life, but I'm terrorized by gun violence to the point where I struggle to go to movie theaters or any, you know, I get a lot of anxiety when I'm in an enclosed dark space. And, um, it is, you know, Allie and I are big advocates for community wellness because we can do all the things, but if our communities are suffering or if, you know, the number one leading cause of death in children is guns, how are we really well, right? Or what does it matter if you eat all the kale or go on all the hikes or do all the cleanses? If your, your child or your friend's child could literally die at school. It's, it's a really important wellness issue. And so thank you. Thank you for everything you shared and all the work that you're doing on your platform. And as we do have to begin to wrap up, I feel like we could talk to you for another hour, but sadly, um, we, we, we need to start wrapping up. And our first wrap up question that we always ask is what, you know, you've shared so much with us today. And the first question we ask is what does your self-care routine look like? What are some of your self-care non-negotiables? I love this question. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I am what I would, self-proclaim an extrovert introvert. So I love being with people and groups and all the things, but I also love spending time by myself. I also have a very different lifestyle. My husband is a firefighter, so he's gone a lot. So when my husband comes back, I really prioritize time by myself. Um, I, I'm very much about women asking for what they need. I think that is the number one self-care is, um, you know, asking for a break, asking for more help, asking. So my, honestly, my biggest self-care is asking for what I need and then holding my husband accountable to make it happen. Thank you. Yes. Um, the next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? Being courageous means showing up as your authentic self, because the more we show up as our authentic selves, we give other women permission to do the same. And being courageous is always is also showing up, even though everybody not might agree with it. Mm. 
Yeah. Thank you. The last one is, do you have a book recommendation on any topic really? That's just something that's meant something to you personally over the course of your journey and that you would want to recommend to our audience. Yes, there is a book called Breaking the Cycle by Jenny Schatzel, and I would love for everyone to read it. <laughs> yes, of course. And we will link that as well in our show notes. And um, if anyone does want to find you, follow you, um, work out with you if they're local, where can they do that? Oh, thank you. You're the best. Uh, in, uh, most of my stuff is on Instagram. So please find me on Instagram, Jenny Schatzel. I do have a book out called Breaking the Cycle. You can find on Amazon. And if you're ever in Santa Barbara, Bond Fitness, B-O-N-D. I would love for you to come by and take a class. I know you'd love it. Awesome. Thank you again, Jenny. And maybe Erica and I will stop by. We'll do a Santa Barbara day and come up. Thank you. I would love that. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.